0: dum the dum 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 dum
1: dum 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 dum
0: Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, David B.
1: Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, David, um, you and I will be taking a look at how you, the indie author, can find the specific audience for your books, uh, which should be a a very interesting conversation. um, Well, I say that. Are we interesting people, David? I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm just talking to tin air. Are we just talking rubbish? Um, <laughs> uh, we'll also be answering a very interesting uh, mailbag question sent in uh, by friend of the show, Catherine Yaff, Yes, Catherine. Um, about online courses for indie authors. Um, mm-hmm. And later, Amazon number one best-selling thriller writer, Adrian Wills, will be joining us on the show to face our seven questions. But, David, before we do all that, of course, we begin as we always do, with the week that was. And how has your week been, my friend? It's been very good, thank you,
0: uh, Robert. Well, We've been planning this show as we do, so Mm -hmm. um, I'm really looking forward to having Adrian on at the end of the show for seven questions. He's gonna be a, a very interesting guest. Uh, aside from planning for the podcast and trying to grow the podcast, we just joked Is anybody listening. We are delighted, <laughs> or I was delighted to for Robert to inform me this week that the show has grown over 70% um, in the past week or two. So we're really, really indebted to your listeners. Thank you very much. So we've yep. been glowing and basking in that over the past week. I've also been doing a bit of writing, Robert. Which as a writer. As, That's a writer, as a writer, sequel novella to Betsy Blake is sort of I'm in the midst of that. And I've been in a bit of a flow over the past week, which is always a, 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 a beautiful place for us writers to be mm. when you're in that flow. It's uh, and you're really enjoying what you're putting on, on the page is our, our sweet spot, really. Um, yeah. what else have I been doing this week? Oh, I'll tell you what I've been doing, Robert. Last week on the show, we had Gene Granger. Mm -hmm. face our seven questions, and this is why we love the seven questions is, is she came out with services that I'd never heard of um, in her answers. And she mentioned a company um, that go by the name of Perpetua. Robert, do you remember when she was talking about how she advertises her books? So little Detective David here,
1: um,
0: (laughs) I had a look into Perpetua and I had a phone call with one of the representatives yesterday right about how they work because I have this problem and actually I believe you've shared that you have this problem and I think it's probably a a universal issue um, within the authors who were looking after their own Amazon ads is that they just can't scale those ads and they can't up their spend so for example I have about 10 Amazon ads running maybe a dozen Amazon ads running at the moment and they're each set to spend maybe a hundred or two hundred dollars a day but they only spend about four dollars a day and it, it I just I don't have it in me to sort of sort out and the niggly bits of why and what what keyword is working and oh I'll, I'll emphasize that keyword and and helps help the Amazon ad scale and grow I've just never been able to do that I predominantly have sold from Facebook Amazon does sell me maybe a dozen or two dozen books a day but I wish I was spending much more on Amazon yeah, to of up those sales, but um, Perpetua will do that for you. They're almost like an agency who comb through the Amazon data for us non-data nerds like me. But the and then they, they'll help your Amazon sales grow, which is where um, Jean said she gets the bulk of her sales. So I'm looking into it. I filled out a form. It is pricey though because you have to spend upwards of maybe ten thousand uh, a month oh wow uh, they want yeah they want big spenders uh, and then they charge about 550 a month for the, the use of their service but I'm I, I you know I'm 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 fence. spinning a coin at the moment Yeah, <laughs> I'm on the fence I'll tell you why I'm on the fence I don't want to take up too much time in the in the week that was before we get to yours Robert but my Facebook ads used to bring me in two and a half times my spend so if I spent 200 pound in a day um, it would bring in 500 pound plus for me yeah That was always the case. The iOS change has sort of disrupted that a lot for me. I'm bringing in maybe 1.7 times as opposed to 2.5 times my spend. Yeah. So the Facebook ads are not as lucrative for me and I spend maybe I can spend between four and eight or maybe even 10 grand a month Mm -hmm. on Facebook ads. And I mean, I spend 10 grand a month when I'm I'm launching or something. I haven't done that in a while even though I've launched a book it was a third in series so it wasn't a, a, a real big launch. But I think I would take a bulk of that spend and put it with Perpetuate on the Amazon mm-hmm. ads if I can be a bit more convinced that they will bring me back. Um, yeah, it's the kind type of hard of,
1: to, to get a guarantee, isn't it?
0: It's hard to get a guarantee. And, and I was speaking to them yesterday and they said there are no guarantees. But I think with, with Facebook not cycling as fast as it has been over the years for me these days, I think I, I, there's no problem in stopping my Facebook ads for two or three months and trialling Perpetuate. And then going back to Facebook ads if I need to. But, um, yeah, it's something I'm thinking about. So I will let our listeners know uh, as I make that decision over the next week or two on the podcast.
1: Mm. Well, good luck
0: with that. Thank you very much. So a little bit of writing and a little bit of research this week. What about you, Robert? What have you been up to? Um,
1: Mainly writing. Yes. As a Um, writer. Yeah, as a writer, I've mainly been writing. Um, I feel like I'm being quite ambitious, with the latest like Sam Pope book. I've started to weave in some like political stuff into into the book as well. Oh um, nice. So it's been been quite um quite a rabbit hole of research into, you know, what certain parts of Parliament do and all that stuff. But um it's now just I'm literally on the chapter where the first major action scene kicks off. So I've started to hit that groove. That we you were talking Great. about that sweet spot where all I want to do is write. Yes. So um, I think I'm on track for my deadline. Um, so, yeah, I've mainly been focusing on that. So can uh, I ask you, is, is the next Sam based in Parliament? Is it set there? No, but no. The, the next Sam Pope one is is I had a novella I launched about three, four years ago, based when he was a soldier. And he yeah. him and his um, op, op, um, secret operative team were sent on a basically a suicide mission. Mm-hmm. to recover some diplomats that had been French diplomats that had been taken hostage in Brazil. But um, they they were already dead. And Sam and his team were sent to make it look like everything was done to bring them back. Oh, all right. And then Sam survived. <clears throat> and then essentially what happened now is, is now this book set 12 years after that. Um, the guy who was head of the French army is now like nailed on to become the next French president. Ah. And, and the son of one of the people who were killed thinks that he sent them to die and Sam obviously knows what happened so he oh, ends up getting involved and so yeah, it's a lot of like French politics like, I've had to research and our politics and but now it's just going balls to the walls action so yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's good, it's fun um, just, nice. yeah, mainly Sounds what fascinating. it's mainly what I've been doing I've been looking at improving my mailing list with um like my automation sequences with some yeah. videos but um I'm infuriated with the fact that um MailerLite doesn't allow you to embed a video in the actual oh,
0: email. Oh yeah. You have to send have them to, to, YouTube. to YouTube. Yeah.
1: Cuz I did that with um with my competition that I ran a few weeks back. Yeah. And it's nice I got some subscribers which was hilarious cuz that was never the plan. I'm not releasing videos on there. Um but uh yeah so I, I don't know I don't know if the customer experience of being taken off the email to YouTube is all that good, so I don't know if I ever need to rethink what I want the sequence to be or maybe even rethink my mailing list provider, which might be a bit of a ball ache, but I think I'm going to tackle that properly once the draft of this book is finished. It's not a priority but it's something I'm looking at.
0: Well, one thing I did to sort of overcome that, and I'm not sure it's a great um, problem solve, but I now put my video at the bottom of my email. Right. So the, 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 the reader goes through each of the features. A bit like this show, I have a magazine type newsletter yeah. with the same features every week. And i, think I used I've to have
1: seen yours. You put it on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I think I've shared it, actually, shared copies of it. It looks yeah, great. Yeah. Or cutouts of it. But I, I used to have the video at the top, and I realised the video is just taking people to YouTube, so they're not mm-hmm. getting to the rest of the email. So now I put it at the bottom, but I'm getting less clicks. On the yeah. video <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed by uh what made like myself on that but yeah technical issues we will come across many of those and um, through our indie auto career but at least we've both been working this week Robert. we both been writing so it's been a uh, productive week in terms of getting words on the page for the two of us
1: two in the so david this week uh, we are talking about how to find your audience, which I think is probably one of the most daunting aspects of being an indie author. Not just when, like, definitely when you're starting out, uh, but even when you're looking to grow and build your readership. So um, before we delve into like how we find it, stuff like that, what, what do we mean by audience?
0: Yeah, yeah, well, you're dead right. It is one of the more daunting. It sounds very businessy like, doesn't it, of of finding your audience. But the the fundamental truth of it, Robert is, as you well know, is that finding your audience is the key component to obviously Mm -hmm. selling your books. So you ask, what is audience? Well, I guess it's naive to think that your audience is anyone who owns a Kindle or anyone who reads paperbacks, (laughs) because that's. That's such a, it's a clown's pocket of an audience, if you know what I mean. It's yeah. just, there's just way too much space in there. And um, so, for example, my wife has a Kindle and my wife loves to read uh, books, but she ain't reading any of my books. <laughs>
1: um
0: <Same>. Yeah, <laughs> quits so it's it's naive to think that oh anyone who owns a kindle or who likes to read a bit of fiction they will read my books no that is mm. not the case because there are so many genres and so many subgenres within genres um that your that a specific audience would like so it's very key to find who your audience is so you can sort of bullseye and narrow down your marketing and filter it towards that audience
1: yeah i think that's um that's a re- that's very succinctly put. Um, because essentially, what what your audience is is it's your potential reader base, mm-hmm. right? And like you said, that doesn't mean everyone in the world who has a Kindle, because not everyone in the world likes what books you write. Um, so, like someone who reads like someone who reads one book a year probably isn't your audience. Yeah. Um, somebody who reads nonfiction books probably isn't your audience just because they might have said that. I like books. I read all the time. They might not be part of your your, your audience. And yeah. like um, another really good one is, is I write action thrillers, right? But somebody who likes action movies might not be my audience because they might not read books. Yes. So it's understanding that. And I think people go, like, oh, yeah, but if you like this film or if you like this TV show, you'll love my book. They might not be interested in reading books. Um, yeah. And I think it's, like you said, it's, it's discovering that. And, and that's taken time for, for me. I don't know if it's taken time for you, David, just to, you know, it's taken years for me to narrow my audience down to the point where you can build that uh, reader base. Um, yeah. And it's something you touched on just a second ago. Um, like My wife, so if she's read, I think the first card, she hasn't read any of the Sam Pope books, maybe one of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but um, it's not because she doesn't support what I do. It's just they're not for her. She's not my reader base. And I know it's really tempting when you start out to get your friends and your family to to buy your books, but unless they are avid readers of the um genre that you're writing in, they're not your reader base either.
0: Yeah, I mean this is probably gonna sound harsh to say Robert, but uh, you know this and I know this and we probably should say it um on this podcast. But your family and your friends reading your books and buying your books when it's launched, totally redundant. It really is redundant. It's uh-huh. it's almost pointless. In fact, it may fly in the face of you being successful because if your algorithms are telling you that, um, the Amazon algorithm is telling you that, oh, these types of people have bought your books when they're not really the people who normally buy books. So if your cousin Sheila and your your uncle John bought your books, but they don't normally buy the books. You're sort of messing with the Amazon algorithms there. So getting friends and family to buy is really not setting up a business for yourself as much as you would like them to know what you're putting on the page. It's sort of redundant and almost pointless. And I think given what you and I have just said over the past couple of minutes discussing this, Robert, what's interesting um, about me and you and the dynamic between us two is that we both write thrillers in a sense. And mm-hmm. they're both dark in a sense. Yours is more uh, action and mine is probably more psychological, but they both fall under the thriller genre. But you and yeah. I, even given that, our audiences are totally different and even though we write in a very similar genre. Yeah. So, in fact, it might be good. Um, before we discuss to our listeners how they can find their audience, we should probably discuss who our audiences are. Um, so, funny enough, I actually kind of write for different audiences not intentionally and if i could go back in time i probably wouldn't have written my (laughs) books this way Uh, it just happened to work out that way but i kind of have a crime thriller series and then almost like a literature fiction series my my style has changed and therefore my books have changed and each of those have a different audience yeah Um. so i write so for example my first three books are called the tick tock trilogy and they're all about sort of little crimes like a bank heist and then a girl goes missing. And then there's another uh, detective trying to chase down two um, teenagers who have made a suicide pact, which is the third book. in that. D- the audience for that is totally different than for my trial trilogy and my America trilogy. Yeah. And this is how I have learned about audience because I assumed, well, I'm just marketing to people who like fishing books and who own Kindles, right? No, you, you really need to, to narrow it down more. Um, so, for example, the Betsy Blake book, which is the missing girl book, uh, I found that if I advertised that to fifty-five-year-old women, to sixty-five-year-old women, it, they just lap that sort of genre up. You know, missing girl. Oh yes, please. They just—they're the types of books they've been reading for years, and they're shark readers. These guys, right? So they're gone through all these things. So as soon as they see an advertising, an advertisement for a book called "Whatever Happened to Betsy Blake." with a a blurb that suggests this is a missing girl story and a private investigator is going out to try and find out. Yes, please. That audience want that book. Um, And then towards the America trilogy, I found that there's just a totally different audience. Uh, They don't necessarily want this... That that sort of dynamic that I just spoke about, the 55 to 65-year-old female who owns a Kindle, they don't want a subtle literary genre that makes statement on how our media is run.
1: well that's exactly it, not it it's 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 if you if you weigh up by like your elevator pitch of what your your books would be Mm -hmm. it's like i'll I'll be perfectly honest with you i read betsy blake and i thought it was brilliant i read betsy blake because you and i became friends and now obviously we run this podcast together yeah but it's not my genre of book yeah um i read it because a you're my mate and b it was so critically acclaimed i was like right i'm gonna i'm gonna see what i'm gonna see what it's about um but again if if you had targeted
0: you incorrectly or yeah Yeah. if you
1: targeted me for that book without me knowing who you were i probably and it was a crying girl saying this girl's gone missing read the book whatever i I probably would have gone because i'm not the audience
2: yes and i think you'd
1: probably be the same if you saw. You know if my ad was targeted to pads. you yeah yeah because it, it, it's it's not you know it might not be the genre you read yeah so you're more um you,
0: you've got a better structure or a more consistent structure to answer this question because your books are concurrent and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's the same character it's the same series so um who is your audience robert who have you found are the ones that lap up your
1: books so um There's probably two parts, two parts to this answer. Um, There's part now where I am now in my writing career, which is obviously doing it full time for a living, 10 books out there. And then there's the answer of what, how did I build my readership when I didn't have as many books or as much money in my, um, like my marketing budget. Yeah. Um, And before I go into that, I just echo your thing about marketing to different um, audiences is a real skill and a real niche because this is one of the issues I'm having with trying to kickstart my Bermuda books. Yes, yeah, of course. It's, it's a completely different genre, and I don't want to push it to people who have been reading Sam Pope because it's mm-hmm. a very different. Um, again, falls in the thriller, falls in the you know, there's a hero to it, very different genre, and people might not like it. So, um, so when my audience now is very broad. Mm-hmm. Right, I, 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 but I push to people and I make it very specific. So if we're talking about Facebook ads here, and David, I don't know if you agree with me, I think we should definitely go a full episode on exactly what we do with our Facebook ads because I think our listeners would really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, the listeners do. We get a laugh from that. We should do that. Absolutely, we'll make that one of the main talking points in a, in a yeah. podcast soon.
1: Um, so so we'll go into the specifics about that on another show. But when it comes to the targeting. Um, I make sure it's, you have know, I've gone through lists of authors in my categories and we've been over categories in a previous episode. So, so definitely listen to that if you're going to go down this route mm-hmm. um, and I find all the authors that are in my categories up near the top who have sold loads, who have got thousands of reviews. And then I try and find if they're targetable on Facebook because they're the people, if people have said that they like them, then they're going to like me they're going to like my stuff because I've got all the evidence in the fact of sales and reviews that people like my stuff too. Um, So I've now sort of targeted those people and I've branched out. So I have a separate, I target the US separately. I target the UK separately, but I I keep it quite broad in regards to gender and age. Um, But I, I narrow down more on, I only want people seeing it if, they've made it clear that they like that type of thing and mm-hmm. so i like I said you could put in a facebook ad that is to t- kindle books people who have a kindle and who like books and you will get millions that you will target and so then not yeah. your people i've drilled mine down so i think my my audience is probably about 1.2 million you think of the right. amount of people who are on facebook but then, in my mind, I only need to get one percent of that one point two million, and I'm, I'm laughing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where I kind of am now. Where I was before, and this is going to go a little bit into the data nerdiness of <laughs> how you know the mind works. But I believe I've said something before about the the data you can get out the back of your ads, right? So, and this is what I was doing when I was bootstrapping. To, to build my books up, you know, and I had, I had older covers that my friend had designed for me, things like that. I had like a fiver a day that I was willing to spend on ads. Yeah. Um, so I did the targeting and then what I did is if I looked in the back and I did it broadly, I did it broadly. I looked at, um, you know, men and women between the ages of 18 to 65 plus. And then yeah. I looked at who was predominantly clicking on the link and like the cheapest clicks. And I think it was men above fifty, which you know might not sound like the coolest audience in the world. (laughs) However, (laughs) at the same time, it's like okay, well, I can kind of see that because my books are slightly you know macho action hero. You know they're you know they're advertised as military thriller. You know action thrillers makes sense. So what I did is I then changed my ad. And I changed it so it was only targeting men between that age. So then I was getting more clicks from the people who were showing that they were clicking on my ad. And then that Mm. allowed me to build and build and build. So when I started, my readership was probably very heavily male dominant. And it's only in the last year or so that I've started to spawn that out. And now I'm getting um, a lot more women reading the books.
0: I've just done the total opposite over the past year. Yeah, my... my... (laughs) audience was 90% female and it's now balancing out well it's probably about 60 female now 14 male but I, I branched out it would be remiss of me to not ask you this Robert seeing as you've brushed on it you said you went into the back end of your ads and found out that it was um, predominantly males 50 years plus who were clicking on your ads how can you tell our listeners how did you get that information
1: So when you go on to the ad itself if you're running it Um, we'll do whistle stop here because we'll talk about this in a lot of detail when we go into it. Um, You can click into, I think it it might either say data or info underneath the ad. It's like a little um, chart symbol and the word either info or data, I can't remember off the top of my head and I I haven't got it open at the moment. Um, But once you go in there, it shows you Um, a number of stats, like who's clicking it, like the split between gender and the split between ages, Ages, it's not, it's not that tricky to find. Um, Mm -hmm. if people do struggle to find it, I will do a video and, and show people how to, how to find it. But it's, it's readily available information that if you don't have a lot of money uh, or you're just starting out, it's a really good way to, to get the most out of your budget. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and there, there are two main demographics I mean, if you can get the gender and the age range that are, are clicking your ads within you think oh this is sort of the demographic that's interested in a um action hero a secret action hero like Sam Pope
1: yeah that, so that's you're, the next you're thing
0: somewhere
1: yeah if you get your targeting is you know what what um authors or subjects you're targeting you nail that down the next thing to nail down is your target audience within those people who have said they like that because if i'm spending five pound a day and i'm getting 20 clicks from that um group men over 50 and it's costing me 12p a click but then i'm getting four clicks a day from women who are 18 to 25 and they're costing me 50p a click yeah then i don't want those (laughs) not at the beginning not at the beginning because that's burning money um so yeah so i think that that's I, I i would recommend people if they're if they're looking to build this that's where i would go um we will go into this in a lot more detail but i think it's kind of segues quite nicely david what we're talking is how further can you find your audience
0: yeah it, it, it's obviously the great question for all authors to ask themselves and to do as robert is saying is which is uh, research into to finding out exactly who is showing interest in your ads and um if you, if you can't find what Robert's talking about, the data there, which breaks down your age demographic and your gender demographic, then ask us on the uh, our Facebook group and we will certainly answer and show you the way to do that. Um, so how do you find your audience? Well, the first thing to mainly consider is what genre do you write in? Yeah. Okay. So if you're writing romance books, I hate to sound sexist but it's 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 likely that your audience will predominantly be women because they have overwhelmingly purchased in that uh, genre over the years. Um, so f- understand what genre you're right in and and find comparative authors uh, on Amazon because Amazon will give you a lot of data. It won't it's not shoving data in your face but if you're clever enough you can find out um, about comparative authors and who's buying their books. For example, just have a look around their um, reviews and you'll find oh it seems to be a lot of men leaving reviews on Robert Enright's books perhaps men are what I should predominantly be aiming for with my advertising so have a look around your comparative authors who is their audience and and now it's your job then to to play your whole brand towards that audience so your book cover should look attractive to a 50 year old man if, if, if that's who it you have decided should be your audience your blurb should play towards a 50 year old man your advertising image should play towards a 50 year old man the copy within your advertising text should play towards a 50 year old man so you have to aim all of your marketing and indeed your branding towards the demographic that you have figured out is the bullseye audience for your books now i mean I will repeat myself again, test, 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 uh, as I always say. <laughs> so if you figure out, oh, well, do you know what, it's men, who I, I'm writing action hero books and we know men predominantly read action hero books. Test, test the ages then. Run, in, run a five pound ad to 20 to 30 year olds and another five pound ad from 30 to 40 year olds and so on and find out, oh, look, it's actually the 40 to 50 year old men who are giving me most value for my spend here and they're buying the most books. So that's my audience. I'm going to I'm going to create my whole brand around selling my books and my blurb and my covers and everything towards this demographic of 40 to 50 year old men. So research, look at figure out what genre you are and um, find comparative authors and see just how they're playing the game and how they are reaching towards their audience. Um I'm sure you could add to that Robert. Uh, 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 what can you say to our listeners what hints can you give them or tips to um, to to find and 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 nail down their audience and narrow it.
1: well before I, before I do that, um again, it's going to sound like I'm just plugging our podcast the whole time here because I've already mentioned <laughs> the ca- the categories episode but yeah. you know we did a whole episode on branding. Um a couple of months, right. a month or so ago. Part of the brand, it's called. Yes. Yeah, clever title by me. He's um, good. He's good but, but, right. <laughs> however, the reason I'm saying that is we, the idea of what we do with this podcast is we focus in on one area every time, but there's, these things don't sit in isolation. Everything mm-hmm. plays together. There's so many plates that you have to spin and so many things you need to consider when doing this. And so the idea of this podcast is we shine a light on these tiny aspects that make such a big difference to yeah. hopefully join up a lot of thinking so if you've listened to what i was saying earlier about um you know looking at other authors in categories and you're not sure exactly how to do that we have an episode for that david's just made some excellent points about branding if you want to know more about you know how we do branding and, and what we are viewing it is we have a whole episode on that so um again definitely check them out yeah. what I would add to your one about how you find your audience is um writing to market okay yeah. so <laughs> people think now that's a really dirty thing um, and mm-hmm. it betrays the artistic process of writing you know well oh, I'm so I'm so unique and well oh, this of course I'm not gonna write to market you know everyone knows someone who just hates anything that's considered popular or you know, like everyone likes it. Someone will immediately go, "Well, oh, I don't like that because everyone does." Yeah, like someone will yeah. always turn their nose up at stuff. And and to be perfectly honest, I I think it's crap. I think that whole notion yeah. of, well oh, you can't write to market because that betrays the author or the writer within me," the, is a the load of nonsense. you, yeah, yeah, it's a load of nonsense. And so if we strip back what, what this is what this podcast is is we're talking about writing right and how, to, and how we are as authors if you strip that back even further we're, writing, we're doing a podcast of how to run an indie author business yeah because that's what this is for me it's, it is a business I love all the writing I love all the freedom I love all that stuff but it's still a business I still need to do stuff as a business and yeah. fundamentally to keep this business running I need to provide a larger number of people with stuff that I know they want yeah, that's not like any business, right? So you could go and create something completely unique and really out there, and really, you know, really fall into the whole, of such a, you know, such a free spirit and a
0: unique I'm an, mind. I'm an artist, and you can smoke yeah. your pipe and say, "I've created the best literary fiction book of all time." But it's, it's, it's kind. Of, it's great for you if you write great art, but it's sort of a little bit redundant if there's just no audience for it.
1: Well, that's it. It's, it's. It's all well and good doing that. And if that's what you want to do, fair enough, go and do that. Mm -hmm. I imagine most of the listeners on this podcast are in the same boat as us. They'd like to do it for a living. And if you go out there and you go and complete something so unique, go write, spend all your time writing something so unique, then there's probably not an audience for it. And it's either going to cost you a lot of money to either create that audience or fail to create it. Yeah. So if you look at the biggest authors in the world, right, in every genre, they didn't create the genre. They just nailed mm-hmm. the genre. So you look at Lee Child. He didn't exactly. come up with the idea of an action hero. Right. There's been action heroes for years. Yeah, he, but he nailed it. He nailed it. He, he hit the right. Yeah. He got the right voice, the right tone, the right covers, the right branding, the right place, right time, all that stuff. And he nailed it. LJ Ross. Yeah who's an unbelievable independent author. She didn't create yeah. a detective in a part of the uk solving gruesome murder cases yeah but she nailed it all the elements we talk about she nailed it yeah you go outside Stephanie Mayer who did mm-hmm. the Twilight books yeah she's not the first she person didn't. to write vampire fiction or young adult fiction, but she she wrote to a market. And exploded. And then yeah. like even E. L. James, who did Fifty Shades, 50 she gets Shades. mocked. She gets mocked for apparent bad writing. I don't know, I am I haven't read it. Um but but Let's put even... a few
0: million in her pocket.
1: Exactly, but she she wrote to a market that was there.
0: She mm-hmm. didn't
1: create it. Yeah, she hit the sweet spot, pun intended, um of the erotic market. Yeah. Fair play to her. So that's it. You, you need to leave that art, artist ego. We all have one. You need to leave that at the door and focus on a genre, like you said. But it's one that you should like because you need to be passionate about writing it. Yeah. And one that people want. And if you can get those two things... So I did that with Sam Pope. So I wrote Bermuda before I wrote Sam Pope. Mm-hmm. And when the Bermuda wasn't doing well, I was like, right, I'm going to do this properly. It's going to be easier for me to sell action thriller books and i love action thriller books i love action thriller movies so taking that love and passion i have for that topic and putting in okay there's a lot of demand for that stuff cuz i got those two to sync up i was able to start building my audience so uh, yeah exactly yeah and i think it's like i said it people might say writing to market is dirty and it's selling out it's not you know there might be an audience for medieval cyborg scarecrow books set in a fantasy <laughs> world Right. It's probably not big enough to earn a living off. Yes. Or 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 to grow a readership. So if you're sitting there thinking, how can I find that audience? He said you you've put loads of good points there, David, about knowing knowing your genre and knowing all that. The other one is definitely, you know, don't be afraid of writing to market because there's a reason that market exists. So, David, it's time for the mailbag. Would you like to provide us with a jingle for the mailbag?
0: Mailbag.com. Oh, no, we're going to get sued, am I, for that? <laughs>
1: there you that's, go. That, that's moon pigs. <laughs> yeah, it, we've, got, we've got an impending lawsuit coming. So uh, Dang it. Um, let's just jump into this question, yeah. shall we? Um, <laughs> and this question, like I said earlier on, is from friend of the show, Catherine Yaff, who joined us um, on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to say, uh, uh, give a shout out to Catherine hey, as well.
0: Um, the mailbag.
1: No, and you know, we're getting sued. That's another another Okay. Um, anyway, I'm, Catherine's question is: There are so many programs out there, such as Mark Dawson's SPF, Nick Stevenson's first ten K readers, oh, yes. mm-hmm. etc. Have either of you paid to take part in such a program? What are your thoughts about paying for courses where much of the info can be gleaned for free? Um, and then she's put in there, not asking for comment on specific programs, just your feelings on them.
0: Okay, yeah. But well, yeah, Catherine's dead, right? There's, there's so many programs mm-hmm. or courses out there. Um, I It's fair to say, Robert, you and I have both done the SPF, which is the Mark Dawson courses, the 101 and the Ads for Authors. You've done both of those?
1: I I have yeah the 101 now for any listeners who are looking at now is the launchpad. It's called launchpad. It's been changed yes, it's but, been yeah, rebranded. I've, I've yeah. had both for those yeah
0: yeah. So we've done both of them uh, with Mark Dawson. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of courses in multiple guys, but it's it, it's for lots of different reasons. I've worked in education. I think people paying nine and a half grand to a year to study creative writing in Nottingham Uni or Coventry Uni where I taught or any uni across the country. Uh, even in America, it's 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 as expensive. It, it, when you can do a sort of a course online in creative writing for maybe a few hundred dollars or a few hundred pounds is probably a preference. But anyway, I've done I, I've been one of those people that spent nine and a half grand studying creative writing before I went on to teach it. And then I've done these courses which helped me become an independent author online for a couple of hundred quid. So I think it's impressive that we can pay a couple of hundred quid for a course. Um, in this regard, it's another perk of independence that we have our own money mm-hmm. that we can spend where and how we need to. Uh, and so... I am a fan of courses, but of course, as Catherine says, there's so many out there. There's bound to be some really, really bad ones and then some really, really good ones that can help you. So I have to admit, I have done a couple. I've appreciated the two that I've done. And there are other ones I was looking into that I sort of decided against doing. But uh, I am a fan of online courses my te- my wife is actually an online teacher uh, who creates lots of coaching courses so I am a fan but you really have to be careful about what you're spending your money on because there are so many rubbish ones because if it is an independent business well then anyone can set one up a course up and we can all do that these days so there are people setting up courses who don't have any knowledge or wisdom to pass on. But then there are ones who you can truly and really learn from Catherine. Robert, you probably have a, a different take on it.
1: Um, I have a slightly different one. I, I, I'm not going to slag off courses uh, just because I'm I'm scared of Mrs. Lyons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I I've, like I said, I've done I've done the 101 course. I've done the majority of the Ads for Authors course, although I'm pretty sure that's that's been upgraded massively since I I last looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also did a number of little courses that um, Adam Croft used to do alongside his independent. Oh yeah, the uh, indie great. author mindset. So he had little um bite sized courses that were that were really useful. Yeah. So um before we talk about my view on courses and, and what I think just a couple of red flags for me. Yeah. Um my thoughts on why you would <clears throat> pay for these courses when you can get so much of this information for free um is I think as long as like David said you're you're listening to the right people um Having it all in one place and put in an order that connects the dots for you um, is a massive benefit. So I've always championed that the, the Launchpad course, it was 101 when we did it, turned my whole mentality and my whole business around mm-hmm. because it connected so many dots of things I didn't know I needed to do and then the stuff I knew I needed to do, it showed me how to do it and, and why um now all of that stuff is for free in blog posts in videos online on youtube or whatever it's knowing where to look and who to listen to so the fact that it was all coming from someone as highly respected as mark dawson who's done a phenomenal job as an independent author, he sold millions millions yeah the fact that he laid it out in a way that i instantly saw it working um you know so that's why i would say that's the benefit of some of these courses um Mhm. Yeah, you know, as long as the person can back it up. If it's somebody who sold 50 books telling you this is how you sell a book on Amazon and how you sell it, probably not worth listening to. Yeah. Um there are definitely no, some
0: chancers out there, definitely in absolutely. every walk of life, really, yeah.
1: Uh yeah, and we just probably like to make the point now, we we do this podcast where we do, we're not telling people what to do. We're just telling people how we've done it. Mm-hmm. Um and sharing our views and thoughts on it. Yeah. Um So one of my views and thoughts on the courses, is I think they could be quite dangerous. Um, like David said, there's chances out there, but then there's even people who are not chances that I think show people, this is how you can do something. And people go running into it, spending a lot of money when they're not in the position to do it. That's my only qualm with it. Um, we say all the time, you need to invest in yourself and invest in your business. Um, you should always do what you can afford to do and what's realistic. Um, and I don't know I I feel like some of these higher pay courses could could use vetting like a bit of a vetting process of who can sign up when and where Um, and you know it's not up for me to say that they should do that and I understand you know it's all business and stuff and people should be responsible people should know can I afford this am I in the position to do this Um, however when you're also offering, in the other hand, the chance for them to achieve their dream. Some people might not, you know, might look beyond the sense of it all. Yeah. Um. So that would just be my watch out for people is, is they do work, they are good. I I champion them as well. I think the ones we've done, um, from from the one hundred and one course to to Adam's Croft. I don't think he has them up anymore. Um, but he had like a just a one hour course on Vellum. Yeah taught me how to use vellum in an hour it was perfect Brilliant. so they are really good i would just say when you're looking at it just don't get blinded by the potential success of everything and just look at this is what it's going to teach me to do am i prepared to do that bit
0: Okay, Robert, now it's time for my favourite part of the show. It's the seven questions, and we have a great guest lined up for our listeners. We have a number one, Amazon number one best-selling author, thriller author, Adrian Wills with us today. Adrian, thank you so much for giving us your time this morning.
2: Oh, it's a pleasure. Great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Not at all, no problem. Um myself and Robert have been pouring this morning looking at your branding yeah. and your, your books on Amazon. Yeah. A fantastic job. Um could you introduce yourself and your books to our listeners?
2: Well, thanks very much indeed. Yeah, great introduction. Um so as you said, yes, I'm i I'm a Kindle number one bestselling author of psychological thrillers. Um my background is as a journalist. I was a journalist for more than twenty years. Um and I've been writing fiction seriously since around about uh, 2011 um okay. so i started off actually writing espionage stroke terrorism thrillers uh with my tom blake Uh, thriller series actually not too dissimilar to your Sam Pope series uh, Robert actually but frankly they didn't sell I had four of those and they they, it wasn't a disaster but it wasn't great Um, I think I thought I was going to be the new Lee Child (laughs) but in so 2018 uh, I decided to write uh, switch my attention to psychological thrillers um, and I put one out. Uh, it was originally called Between the Lies, now rebranded as The Intruder, um, and that was the game changer that that set me out really on this on this new path of um, yeah psychological thrillers, which um, yeah has, has, has changed things completely for me.
0: Oh wow. Well, congratulations on all your success so far. We shall get into the bones of um, how you've been successful, Adrian, with uh, seven very simple questions.
1: Uh, What do you think, Robert? Can you hit Adrian with number one? I can indeed. Adrian, number one, are you a full-time author?
2: Uh, well, I am now. Uh, yes, as I said, I started writing in about twenty eleven, um, but I was trying to fit writing in and around my job, like like many uh, authors authors do. Um, so I was getting up early before work, fitting it in around um you know the the, the working yep. day getting home working another couple of hours of an evening giving up all my weekends to do it and this was really when i had young children as well they're, they're now grown up but you know it was long hours and it was exhausting but then in may uh 2021 i published what became my breakout thriller his wife's sister and it was uh-huh. a book that just seemed to really resonate with readers, um, and also happily coincided with the with a lockdown. Um, so you know, fewer trad authors were, were putting out books. Uh, people were at home reading more, um, and uh, as a result, uh, yeah, that that hit number one uh, in the whole of the UK Kindle store uh, in December of that year, and and that was enough really to give me the opportunity to go to go full time. So. I took that decision in March 2022, um, and I now write. So my wife is also, uh, believe it or not, a, a psychological thriller author. She writes as oh. AJ McDyne, as well as writing pony books for, for preteens as Amanda Wills. <laughs> oh. Um, so we, we, yeah, we, we are now both full-time, uh, authors and, uh, albeit in very different parts of the house cause we can't work together. That's what she <laughs> told me in no uncertain terms, we couldn't sit in the same room and write. So we're, we're in different parts of the house. So, um, but yeah, I'd always visualized um, that I would do this as a uh, as, an, as a as a full time job. I always wanted to do it. It took me ten years to get there, um, mm-hmm. but I'm a big believer in that sort of. I don't know if you you guys you know visualization and that that. I think yeah. there's something about the brain and the subconscious a really powerful tool. That if you if you um, if you think about it enough and you want it enough, um, I think you can get there. And I spend a lot of time thinking, that no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to give up on it." Um, I've been mean, listening Brilliant. as well recently to I don't know if you know um, Earl Nightingale's "The Stranger's Secret." Have you come across that? It's a it's a 1950s no. uh, recording. You can find it easily on 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 YouTube or, or just Google it, and it's all about okay. you are what you think, and it's very much about that kind of visualization uh, technique. Sorry, going off on a complete complete tangent now, but um, not I, 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 at you
0: know, all. I'm figuring here, Adrian. You and I have a lot in common. I'm a big believer in the visualization, absolutely. And um, I have a wife who works at home, who is creative. we have to be in different quarters of the, of our tiny house, uh, and I'm a former journalist as well, who writes uh, psychological thriller. So uh, you can and I, I, I will need leave. to get a. You I? can leave, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
2: just have a love in between us.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, sounds good. So let's find. Let's get into the bones of of how um, you have made such a success of your uh, published books. Adrian, um, one big decision we all have to make is whether to go wide or exclusive, which is always our second question in seven questions. So have you decided to go exclusive or are you wide on these retailers?
2: I am exclusive um, so exclusive to Amazon I did start off wide uh, and I was quite a uh, I was quite sort of militant about it when I first started mm-hmm. so when I had my Tom Blake books the, the sort of military espionage thrillers um, I didn't want all my eggs in one basket with Amazon uh, and I went wide and I really tried hard at that but it just it just wouldn't stack up um, and my wife was was in in KU at the time and was getting some real really good success with it so I thought well you know in for a penny give it a Go and, and my income just went up massively with the uh, with yeah. the ku page reads uh, and i haven't really looked, looked back as i said i'm you know i'm i'm not an amazon basher at all but uh, i i'd rather not have all my eggs in one one basket but you know the 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 bottom line, the you know, the financial bottom line is that that Ku makes up such a, a big part of my income now. Um, yeah. Particularly, I mean, you'll know this, David, through um, in psychological thrillers. So many books are now priced so ridiculously low to try and get traction. Uh, often launching yeah. as a ninety nine pence or ninety nine cents, um, which you yeah. know it, it, it adds up to nothing in sales. Um, even though mm-hmm. you can be selling quite a lot, but it's you know you have to do that. We don't have to do it, but many many authors. Choose Choose to do that because you then get the organic ranking, uh, which helps visibility, which then helps with your KU, KU page reads, and that's where I find um, the majority of my uh, income. Probably between about 70 75 percent comes comes through oh, wow. with KU page reads. So, oh wow! So yeah, it's a, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm you know, it, it's an, it's a bit of a necessary evil, I think, and I'd rather not be ex-
1: exclusive to Amazon, but. Yeah, it it's
2: it
0: it's yeah, yeah, we share those sentiments, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I I I think most people who are exclusive say I'd love to be wide, but that's sweet, <laughs> that's sweet, sweet K U page read money. Um it's it, it, it is too much of a um percentage of your income to cut out. Um, especially weighed up against the amount of work it takes to build that readership across the platforms. Like I'm, I'm in yeah. the boat with you, eh, Adrian, I tried across all the platforms and the amount of return you get for the work you put in can be a bit, um, disheartening, shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. when you've got a
2: mortgage to pay, you know, exactly. that's that, that, you know, in yeah. your full time, it, it. you know, th- these are hard decisions we all have to make as, as
1: authors these days. Mm-hmm. And, and, Uh, you know trip it down business people as well because you know you are running it as a business um absolutely right yeah so uh i'll hit you with number question number three uh name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without so i think this is a
2: really tough question guys because you know just asking us to pick one one service um when there are so many Mm -hmm. um I mean, i use loads and loads not you know not necessarily just for the writing but you know for the marketing and the whole um self-publishing side of the business as well my initial feeling was to say oh have photoshop because i've kind of used that right from the beginning or, or or variants of photoshop i used gimp i think originally when i first started out um and i'm using that all the time to tweak images and, and social media um posts but actually if the you know if you if you pin me down to what's the one thing i really wouldn't do without and i thought back right back to the early days of when i self-published uh sort of 2012 um and that was formatting so for me it's probably what was originally vellum Um, i don't have a mac my wife has a mac so i originally used vellum for formatting now we've got atticus um come along which i think is 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 improving all the time and i and i wouldn't be without that because I, i was I was thinking the other day about you know the days when we used to write on Word because there was no other option but to write on Word and then hand formatting it and you know spacing it and make sure it all and it just was such a pain. Um, I don't know if you guys ever yeah. did that ever yeah. you know had to self format, but honestly, I would never. I'd never want to go back to it now. So um, yeah, Vellum and Atticus are probably the two. Um, platforms that save the biggest amount of time as a as an indie author um, it's a great
0: answer uh, they really do it's because it's such a painful process to 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 pay two hundred dollars or whatever it is for a subscription to atticus uh, or vellum and to have that headache taken away from you is a great two hundred dollar spent.
2: I think if you come in as a new author now and you just go on to that, I just don't think you'd understand the pain of of what it was like not having it. It's just it's just one of those things you just you just can't you can't do without. But you know, and hand in hand with that, I think you know things like Scrivener now. I mentioned you know writing on Word. That's that's what I started writing on. But Scrivener, you know, I think now once you taste the Scrivener honey, you can never really go back to to Word, can you? For 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 novel writing, it just makes things again. It makes things easier, and that's what we're looking for. It's, It's time saving makes makes things easier um but yeah. i think also things like facebook as well um i you know i i when I think about the number of books I probably sold through through Facebook, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be without that uh, either. And, and mm-hmm. a MailerLite or Mailchimp or whichever um, email platform you use as well. I think those those are essential. Sorry, you asked me for one, and now I'm, I'm wrapping on about <laughs> loads and loads. But it, this is the great but, thing about you know the, the, the industry at the moment. There's new software coming on the market all the time, and I'm really interested. I'm sure you guys yeah. have been looking at this as well. The AI stuff that every Everybody's talking about the chat, yeah. from GBT and um Joanna Penn was talking the other day about um about pseudo rights, you know, the AI specifically for authors. And I think, you know, they I think they give us another um, you know, tool in the in the armory. So it's you know, all the time things yeah. are evolving. I think it's a really exciting space to be in.
0: It is. You're dead right. It's, it's, it's a mean question. Um, I've got an, I've, I've, I've got another main question for you too. Uh, it's question number four. How do you market your books, Adrian?
2: Yeah, that is a tough question as well, isn't it? This is the sort of the, you know, the silver <laughs> bullet question. I tend to focus a lot on paid advertising, um, if I'm honest, and it's predominantly yeah. Facebook advertising and, uh, and Amazon advertising could not call it AMS. That's out of date, isn't it? I'm also yeah. back to dabbling a little bit with book, book bub ads um okay but i think you know i've 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 played with lots of different things and and i do think there is a danger of spreading yourself sometimes a little bit too thinly and trying to do it all and you see somebody talk about um you know one way of doing things and dive into that and i think for me and this is you know my personal opinion i think tiktok's a great example i know lots of authors are getting some fantastic traction through tiktok but you know the way i see it, that's just a huge time suck to produce the kind of content it needs to work so i've, I've yeah. kind of taken the decision to back away from that and not not throw myself into it similarly i don't tend to use twitter um i've tried reaching out and doing uh, sort of uh, blog tours on on Instagram again i found that's quite a lot of time and effort without a great deal of of obvious reward um for yeah. me anyway I, I know you know other authors are, are different so if, you know i think you know i talked about facebook just a moment ago and i think the facebook's ability to shift books for me though is 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 still you know it's, it's still unbeaten. Um, I think there was a bit of a wobble after the iOS 14 changes and, and, and how we couldn't target quite in the same way. I think it's yeah. settled down a bit now. I think it does work. Um, and then, and then probably the latterly um, is. Is, is, is concentrate on just do having more content out. I'm I'm a slow writer. I don't turn uh, content of new books out as quickly as I as I'd like to. But I think that <laughs> that probably is the silver bullet. If I'm honest, more content, yeah. uh, more books, getting them written uh, more quickly. But with a big caveat, they they've got to be decent books that that people want to read. I, I, you know, I don't think there's much point just putting out you know trash that you know is is, is just going to get panned by the reviewers. Yeah
1: uh absolutely i 100 I percent agree with you in fact i think i've said multiple times on the show that nothing sells your book better than your next book so um, multiple things you've said there i'm completely in line with you on um so question five adrian what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you started out
2: um i think i got too hung up on uh marketing uh too early mm-hmm. on uh i you know i wrote a, i wrote a book and that was it and i think lots of people go through this and uh i want to i want to sell it and i want to sell loads and i want to be a bestseller and i think what i'd like somebody to have sat me down and said is do you know what don't worry about that focus on your writing focus on learning your craft understanding story better mm-hmm. um working mm-hmm. on your blurbs working on your tropes um you know, I'd seen a lot of people getting success and, you know, uh, you know, the, the, I love what the SPF that, you know, the, 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 Mark Dawson, uh, group does. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's fantastic. And I think that the, the knowledge that they impart and a lot of it for free is, 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 awesome. But I think sometimes people do need to be reminded actually that isn't necessarily, I keep talking about silver bullets because people are looking from, I don't think it's necessarily the silver bullet unless you get the basics right. And the basics to me are, uh, are, are writing. And I spent too long, trying to work out marketing trying to work out facebook ads when i didn't really have a book that was that was that was worthy of 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 success so yeah i wish right. somebody would have sat me down and said do you know what spend your time put the effort in learning story learning how to write better and understanding what uh, what readers are really after
0: it's so true i mean we probably don't mention it enough on on the podcast but craft is is obviously the the be all and end all. And the truth is, if you're not producing great content, you're not likely to sell books And an awful lot of our profit um, and, and how we make money. The three of us have been quite successful talking on this podcast now is through read True, and through those yeah. KU reads that people are going through all of your books and they're just not going to do that unless your 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 content is, is good enough.
2: And I think that's actually, you know, we talked about K U and not wanting to be exclusive, but I, I do say to people often, I think KU is is fantastic in that respect for for readers and for authors, because it, it encourages to to write books where you want to turn the pages and you want to yeah. you want to keep reading so because true. you're not going to get paid if people pick up a book and they read the first page and they you know they ditch it because it's so easy just to pick up another book. Um yeah. so I think actually in many respects that's it's a good thing.
0: It is. Yeah, it drives us. It drives us, as you say, to to create those uh, page turners. Um, So that's some of the positives. We're going to turn a bit of attention to the negatives, Adrian, if you don't mind. Question six is, what's your biggest frustration as an independent author?
2: Yeah, I think think it's probably a personal frustration, if I'm honest. And I kind of alluded to this just now that um, I'm just not able to write quickly enough. Um, you know I can mm-hmm. physically do the words i mean i 've because i 've looked into this why can 't I produce books as quickly as other people? but I think I spend too much time chasing perfection down when i 'm editing and I go back and I go back and I think sometimes I end up taking the sheen off of books as well yeah um, that are probably perfectly yeah. perfectly acceptable and i 've just got to polish and polish and i over polish sometimes um, mm-hmm. and then i 'm watching other authors that are knock, knocking books out. You know every couple of months and and absolutely smashing it so I have a new business model this year um, I'm looking to put out more books so I'm trying to plan them in advance so I know what titles are and, and a rough outline uh, and oh, I'm brilliant. trying to strict to, uh, stick to a, a strict you know editing drafting timetable I sort of tried to reverse engineer it so I can say right if I need that many books how many words is that Per month, per week, per day, per hour, and so you almost go. Well, actually, that's achievable because I only need to write. I need to sit down and write five hundred words in an hour, and over four hours, I've done two thousand words. And over the course of three months, that's a book. That's a book done. So that's my new right. my new thinking. I suppose my other my other. I suppose my other frustration is, uh, is is at Amazon. We talked about we talked about Ku and, um, and you know, the, and being exclusive. I you know I do get feel frustrated that I that I you know I am beholden so much to Amazon. I said I'm not a I'm not a an Amazon knocker at all. I think um, they've you know what they what they do is brilliant, um, mm-hmm. but I have you know I'm beholden to them. In terms of my KU income, I'm also beholden to them to try and sell books through Amazon advertising. So I have to end up paying them to sell my books as well, yeah. for them to take a cut in it. Uh, and and you know that's a brilliant business model for them, but that that is that's hugely you know frustrating as a as an author. But you know I guess that's life. And we wouldn't be you know have to remind ourselves we wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for Amazon. If it hadn't been uh, for them, you know, and the Kindle and and the advent of self publishing, um, you know that that has all come from from amazon's uh, business model
0: absolutely yeah it gets a bad rep but um truly it, it has it has allowed creators like us to to run businesses amazon so uh, yeah it's it's that constant um juggle of uh, my moral compass and my uh business that i'm running that we're, we're juggling but,
1: but it is a business at the end of the day so yeah, you know, we need to do uh, what's right for us right adrian final question and i think uh, because you've been at this for a while now and and you've had some fantastic success our listeners would love to know what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to them so
2: and again another great question um and i've alluded to this as well before but i i, I think this is about nailing your craft um And I think if you can get your craft right, that's the thing that's going to sell your books. Um, So you need to write a lot, you need to read a lot. You need to understand story and, and how it works. You need to understand your own genre, um, the expectations of that genre, mm. and I really delve into what what readers are looking for. Um, I think a good bit of advice is to hang out in Facebook groups where the where the readers are. You know, uh, for me, psychological thrillers. There's an awful lot of Facebook groups that have popped up with a huge following, um, with readers desperate for for um, for new content. Um, what and, you, and through those those. Um, pages you can find out what books people love and what they hate and try and delve into you know what is it that's resonating and and what isn't um trying to find out what the tropes are and the obligatory scenes that's really really important and then um trying to find the butter that readers lap up do you know what i mean by butter this is um theodora taylor are you are you familiar guys with no no Okay, so again, another another recommendation. Um, so Theodora Taylor, she's a, she's a romance uh, r- author, and she, she wrote this incredible book, um, Seven Figure Fiction. But it's all about how she uses what she calls universal fantasy in books, or butter as she talks about it. So she the analogy she uses is, you know, if you get a nice bit of fish or a nice bit of steak and you you fry that up, lovely. But if you throw a bit of butter into it, it just gives it that that makes it super delicious so it's not just it's not just looking at, at tropes but it's looking at those kind of that universal fantasy that we can all that we can all relate to so so the example she gives in um in romance for example friends to lovers would be a would be a trope yeah. um but the universal fantasy is being forcibly removed from your boring life and put into somewhere that you don't fit in or um you know falling in love with the bully that that really likes you um or yeah. getting the fixer upper boy friend you know these are all romance um she uses but i think it works for certainly in my genre and i'm sure others as well um, but it's a slight reversal so while the you know what she calls universal fantasy and romance is about things readers fantasize that could happen to them. I think in psych it is is almost the opposite. It's the things we're afraid of, but still drawn to. So like the wife who can't trust her husband or the the wife-child husband who you thought was dead and has come back, or the the crime that's happened in the window uh, that's been observed through the window uh, and is not all as it seems like, you know, the rear window, the Hitchcock um, story. So um, I think that's really, really important to understand as well. And I th- you know, if, I recommend that book for anybody uh, in any genre. Um, just oh, so we're just really connecting with with readers lovely
0: Wow, Adrian, well, th- thank you so much. You have faced and beaten the seven questions. Um, I should say to our listeners, Adrian Wills, that's W-I-L-L-S, is the name. You write your espionage thrillers, your Blake series under, And it's A.J. Wills for your psychological thrillers, which are the books that really helped you um, to this great success. Thank you so much for giving us up um, a half an hour of your time this morning. Adrian, we really appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting. Me.
0: In the well, that's it, Rob. We have come to the end of show number 19. Um, another great seven questions guest in Adrian. Very informative, very cool dude, isn't he, Adrian?
1: He was very, he was very articulate. You could tell he was a journalist.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Knew what he was saying.
1: Yeah all oh, right just cuz you were a journalist
0: <laughs> well I don't know what I'm saying I bluffed journalism <laughs> for 16 years but Adrian yeah. was probably a proper yeah. journalist
1: he was he was um very 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 knowledgeable and I thought he he put his points across um I do think he's right we're very mean on the uh just give us one thing you can't do without because I think yeah. most people are struggling with that
0: <laughs> Yeah it is it, mean but it it's 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 such an invaluable answer whatever you come up with whatever whoever we have on Whatever their Mm -hmm. one uh, thing is that they can't do without as an indie author is invaluable to our listeners. Uh, It's mean uh, if you're the guest, but invaluable if you're the listener.
1: We're just a couple of mean dudes, David. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Um, we yeah, come if you from would the like, mean streets. Yeah. The, if you would like to chat with the two mean dudes from the mean streets and face <laughs> our seven questions, and um, there is a sign up form in our Facebook group to indie authors. Um, so, if, yep, if you want to hop on there and fill it out, uh, we'll be in touch. Uh, David, next week we're hitting episode twenty. Can you nice. believe that? Wow. Now,
0: you've already made a promise to our listeners that we're going to take a deep dive into some advertising platforms, so we, we'll get organising that for next week for episode mm-hmm. 20. Uh, I am also going to get my head down and continue on the flow of writing. Hopefully. I keep my mm-hmm. fingers crossed. I, you will too. Robert, I know you're a lot more disciplined than I am when it comes to the craft. And what else have you got on for the next seven days? Anything interesting?
1: Um, it's the Carabao Cup final <laughs> on Sunday. We'll be watching Are you a that. Newcastle fan? I am. So <gasps> we're again, we're, we're, oh, we're... we're going head to head on Sunday. Uh, yeah, and then soon it'll be your oil state versus my Qatar oil state. Qatar versus Saudi
0: Arabia. But soon, we, won't, yeah. we
1: won't bore our listeners with football talk. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got. Hopefully, not Hopefully, I'm just going to do a hell of a lot of writing next week. That's what I'm hoping.
0: Yeah, but when we come back here, we'll we'll ask you about that, and hopefully, you've got. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a. Let me give you a little target there. I'm gonna I'm gonna insist on ten thousand words by next next time we talk. So that's two thousand okay. a day over the next five working days, right?
1: Okay, done. If you
0: do it, I'll do it.
1: Okay, done.
0: I won't do it. But you'll do <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, well that's episode nineteen, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye